Welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. You found us. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. We're here to be with you along your journey and to share our experiences in RC Aviation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or want to share a flight story, hit us up at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. Now, buckle in. Let's take off. All right, it's the episode 40. Merry Christmas. Contests and other giveaways. Uh, so both Joe and I uh, want to start this episode off by sending a heartfelt thanks to everybody in the RC community uh, in general, just by uh, the things that we do and kind of bring, um, I don't know, a kind of joy to everybody who's in this community. I think we all work together really well in promoting... Um, a community spirit that's very positive and reinforcing and mm-hmm. at least so far as I've run into it. And I want to thank everybody for kind of keeping that spirit alive um, and helping people have this, this outlet um, to help keep them sane, especially with those last couple of years here. Uh, and I want to doubly so thank all of our listeners, all the people who poor souls who've been listening for 40 episodes to us ramble on and on about all the RC stuff we love. Um, and a separate uh, token of appreciation to our friends in the Discord server who've helped made our Discord server uh, for the Aviation RC New podcast a uh, welcoming place that it is. Uh, and it's a place that I think Joe and I love to, I'll call it, hang our hats when we when we come to the internet to talk RC. Absolutely. Um, so without further ado, this episode is going to be, um, I guess us talking about the holidays and what we do during it, but more importantly, talking about the community surrounding it and some of the fun things that go on in the community, specifically uh, a new challenge, uh, a build challenge that's been brought up here, uh, events that might be going on, and uh, we have a small giveaway uh, that we're going to be putting out there. Uh, so without further ado, let's, uh, and of course, we're going to talk about our hobby experiences in the last couple of weeks. So please uh, join me in welcoming our guest, Tad Leeds, uh, who will talk to us in a little bit about the two, uh, 2022 inaugural Hangar RC Build-Off uh, Challenge. So, uh, Tad, welcome to the show. And uh, why, don't you, why don't you give us a minute and talk to us about where you started and uh, what you've been doing in the hobby in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on the show. Um, I uh, got into... Balsawood uh, building uh, back when I was in my teens and uh, enjoyed this up to about my uh, entry point into the military. And then I really kind of got my passion back uh, when I came to see the FT channel on YouTube about seven years ago. And, you know, this is kind of a a bridge point for my children and me. My boys were just coming of age to where they could really gain an interest in the hobby. And I was wondering, you know, how do I get them involved in building models, but also is mm-hmm. quite complex for young ones with little hands. So I said, wow, you know, this medium is really great. So we got a tiny trainer, many Mustang and many other FT builds. You know, we, we built them together and, you know, it was able to get out and share that experience with each other, getting a little bit more into it. You know, John Over Street's uh, P38, I built one of those. I haven't flown it yet, but <laughs> get the nerve up to do that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I've also got some of my own builds uh, that I've used in doing these techniques um, that I've awesome. learned uh, from uh, absorbing what I have from the channel. But 
if yeah, you don't mind me I, asking, uh, how, yeah. how old are your kids? Um, they are seven, nine, and uh, 12. Awesome. It's about the same age my kids are. Uh, yeah, well, it's a good so age to get started. Yeah, it's a great age. Um, yeah, and I find that that's the difficult part is trying to get them engaged with something that's not uh, electronics. <laughs> the know, biggest like, thing that I've had to overcome with them is they're afraid of destroying daddy's plane. And I'm like, guys, no, <laughs> the whole thing is go out, enjoy yourself because if we crash it, yeah. Hey, these things are so inexpensive. We can rebuild it just like that. Yeah. And it, it has been something to help them to overcome that fear of grabbing right. the controls and going at it. All right. Well, it sounds like, uh, so what have you been up to in the last couple weeks then? Yeah, I've uh, been conceptualizing with some of my own ideas and I was wondering, hmm, it'd be really nice if we could just have a forum to do this uh, and just kind of come together with other folks who are doing much the same. Um, so while I haven't been able to actually put a knife to foam or uh, you mm-hmm. know get anything glued, uh, I really have just been uh, penciled paper and you know, t- putting down my thoughts. Nice. Nice. Have you flown anything in the meantime while you're while you're putting those down? Sadly, no. Uh, my work schedule has uh, recently <laughs> changed, but uh, the weather here hasn't been as cooperative as I'd like yet. But it seems to have dried off lately. So well, hopefully, good. I can get out soon. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, it's always fun, uh, uh, you know, when you go out and spend a little while. You're like, oh boy, I'm, I'm rustier than I thought that's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I hope I hope you the best of luck when you get out there to to be able to bring home everything you bring out. Um, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, when we, I'm assuming that what you're putting mentally, uh, on some paper, um, that that's going to be probably part of the challenge that I'll be seeing. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to, to joining you in that mess. Um, Joe, what about you? What have you been up to lately? Uh, a whole lot of trying to wrap up work before the holiday so I can actually take some time off. Um, but hobby wise, um, the, uh, I spoke last time I was going to work on trying to get some of these planes hung uh, in here. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on uh, turning the webcam so oh, I can... Oh, there you go. Uh, you got more than yep. one update. Ooh. Yep. Got that Corsair hung. Yeah. Although it's not hung quite the way that I want to, but it is up there. So it's not occupying floor space now. Yeah. Um, that's a big help. Yeah. it's Once you can kind of suspend it from the ceiling, you kind of double your real estate. Yeah, you do. So, <clears throat> watch um, out. You'll be tripling it up with, with the way I do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I can do whatever I want in this room. That's my domain. Um, I just can't let it really spill out beyond uh, the door to this room. So, um, but yeah, I've hauled a bunch of hobby stuff back here from the from the garage because I can't really work in the garage right now. So, probably gonna be going through and organizing that in the near future, but. That's that's about it for me. Um, it's I didn't get to hang them the way I wanted to. Uh, I was going to use a little screw in eyelets like you'd screw into wood, and it had a little circle at the end. Um, mm-hmm. But I couldn't find those, and so actually I've pulled out my swivels, uh, my fishing swivels, and I'm using those. I've glued in the. That's a good uh, idea. I'm trying to remember what they're called because there's a, it's been so long. You've got the swivels and then there's another one, but basically one is the other with more. So you've got the one that's got the two twisty eyelets on each side and then there's yeah. the other one that has the clip. One of those is a swivel and one of those is something else, but 
Okay. Just just the two little eye twisty things. I've glued those into the wings, and then the clips I've clipped onto that and tied a string that's running up to a okay. central. So it's just swivels and fishing string that's got it up there right now. No, but that, that's still really smart. It keeps it relatively lightweight, and it shouldn't affect anything as far as flight characteristics. Um, I, honestly, I've I've bought a couple of those because I was, I think I was looking to make that for a parachute guy. So that way the parachute can twist in the wind all at once. Mm-hmm. But the parachute guy doesn't do that. Um, but but yeah, that's a really ingenious way to do that. I'm looking forward to seeing how that holds up. Well, uh, like as far said, as getting it's... it in and out and how it holds up to the abuse of hanging and, and releasing. Yeah. Well, it's so eventually I've just got the swivel hooked on to I've got one of those uh, J hook pushed into the wall. And it's got a little knot, uh, hook at the end mm-hmm. kind of things that yeah, yeah. that you hang art with in your on your wall. But I've pushed that through the ceiling and then kind of bent that tip around so that the swivel doesn't just fall off. So that's what's hanging right now. But eventually I wanted to have that uh, serve basically fishing string go from the swivel that's connected to the, the strings to the rest of the plane, go okay. up to that, shoot across to the wall to meet another something that's going to let me come down the wall and have a little bundle of strings so I can lower the plane or raise it up <laughs> for oh, man, easy you're access. Have a whole pulley system with a, with a little motor. Well, yeah, if I could ever find, like, a, a stepper motor I wanted to use for it. Nice. Okay, cool. Uh, what Have you been building anything at all? Um, No, not, not the past little bit. Okay. I've been contemplating. I've been theorizing. I've been mentally putting plans together. Okay, but what What's the next one you're going to put on a bench and start hacking at? Well, that got changed because I was lo- – we're going to talk about it later, but I was looking at the the – uh, guidelines for this competition. I had an idea, uh, okay. but that was when the guidelines were still being developed. And so now that they're where they're at, that's gone. I got to come up with something You'll else. You'll have to revise your thoughts. Nice. I think, right. uh, I think my old glider might come back. My, nice. my first one. Yay. Yeah. You're excited. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see it again. And this time I think you're going to have a heck of a lot more success with it and a lot more fun. Cause you, you know what you can compared to what you, knew when you made that mm-hmm. about RC and, and how flying works, <clears throat> which you knew a lot. Um, well, yeah, I think, I think you'll, you'll really make a big difference. I think it's, we'll exciting. see. Cool. I mean, it, it might still be dumb luck carrying me through now and maybe just round one was the best I was going to get. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. definitely we'll keep, keep listening and you'll, you'll find out. I'm sure we'll be talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I guess that brings that that brings me to uh, talking about what I've been up to. Yeah. Um mostly uh cleaning the dining room table, which was a feat unto itself. There were there were tales told of the horrors that happened. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but ballads mostly, were written about ballad, that epic battle. <laughs> exactly. And it was it was a battle it was. Um Yeah. I still have yet to unpack that battle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll uh, I'll get to it shortly. Actually, that's that's my plan for most of this week. Um, as we get into the the break in between Christmas and New Year. Um, but while I was before I started doing that, I was really cooking at finishing up the interior to the to the uh, the Black Widow, the P sixty one by Thirteenth Squadron. Right. And, you know, I had, I had built that, and I kind of outfitted some 
basics of an interior. And the only thing I was trying to figure out is how I'm going to do the canopy. So I printed uh, the canopies out on a laser printer uh, on a transparency. And then I hacked apart the actual canopy that comes with the kit and use that as a scaffold to kind of tape everything and glue everything down to. I actually, I did more tape than glue. I probably, I could have used foam tack. But when I pulled out my foam tack, just like, um, just like Mr. Depron indicated that, that it doesn't hold up through time. The plastic bottles, it's the, the, the metal ones will hold their consistency longer. I guess like the foam tack tends to dry out a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, in the plastic. So the, he said it, it'll last about a year and it's been closing in on a year and now it's getting kind of thick and gooey. Um, imagine your rubber cement when you leave the lid off a little bit. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Um, so I, yeah, I just may need to pick up another one. It's not a big deal. But in the meantime, I taped it down and I'll tell you what, I'm really pleased with how it's starting to look. I got the chairs finished off with the, with a little, uh, scoping site thing that, that happens to the gunner seat and the, um, the radio operator slash second gunner. Um, and so now I'm just doing some finishing touches on it, getting some landing gear in it because I do not dare to take this off from a throw. I just, I can't picture it going well. That just blows up. Like I'm the opposite at this point. I would rather hand chuck because it's just throttle up and pull back on the stick. You, you think it's that simple. I, I thought it's that simple every time I tank it into the ground. <laughs> Qu- quit tanking them, man. <laughs> if we're only that easy. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think you're right, though. I think um, uh, what I should do is probably just run up the throttle and see how much pull it's getting. And as long as it's pulling out of my hands, usually they tend to fly pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's enough throttle to get it to speed fast enough without causing trouble, so... Um, and then I also started working on the Marabou conversion, which is a, it's a balsa kit, but I've made a foam board version and I cut that out. So I'll be working on that in a little bit. I also built um, a walk behind glider again, talking about what Red talked about last episode. Um, he mentioned something about, oh, I've got an idea. I've, I've got a plan for a walk behind glider for you. So I started looking them up and I'm like, you know, that could probably be a full size version with like mini motors. And it would be great for an indoor. So I was looking at indoor outdoor motors, and then all of a sudden there's like some guy who built something, and I said, Well, let me cut that out. So I cut it out, and man, that thing flies awesome. Oh, yeah? Yeah, on the little easy kit uh, that Flight Test puts out. It's just those two little 820 motors with the little tiny two, two inch props or whatever it is, right. little stabilizer. And that's on a light breeze. You know, you you fly that around all you want. I was flying around the, the cul-de-sac and all that stuff. And basically, I could tell when I was going between houses because the gust would pick up. <laughs> all of a sudden, it'd start getting really difficult to control. But, um, yeah, it's a very light, uh, light wind-type glider. Uh, and then I started cutting out a, a mini, um, was it AT6? I think it's the, uh, uh, the crop duster, dusty crop hopper. Uh, okay. But it's set up for that easy system. So I did another one. Again, this is all kind of leading up to the STEM night that we're going to have. I want to have a couple planes that I could kind of fly around the gym, show the kids what they could do if they wanted to. Right. Yep. Anyway, um, so with that, uh, I think that's pretty much all of all the stuff I've been working on. Uh, For the full-scale stuff, I'm I'm really just kind of working on – I was pretty much preparing for Christmas 
Um, my kid's Christmas and mine happened this past Friday, so it's been a busy couple weeks. Um, and really, so all I've done is set up pilot training for tomorrow morning um, for cro- my first cross-country trip. So, hey. uh, Yeah, man. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. We're actually going to Florence, North Carolina, and back. Nice. Which I think should take uh, – I will calculate the exact time as part of the prep, but it'll take approximately about a little over half hour. Okay. I think. So, you think? well, good. Anyway, um, for listeners who want to give us a gift, uh, I know everyone saw in this season people want to do all sorts of things. Really, the kind of gift that we need or we would love, I think, is just get the word out. So help us share it. Uh, we usually do this kind of thing at the end. I want to do it more in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. But get get the word out. Share the podcast. Uh, tell people that you think would enjoy the podcast. Tell them about it. Ask them to listen to an episode or two. Tell them your favorite one. Um, share it. Uh, and Facebook or something like that, or you can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps uh, the aggregators find podcasts that might fit somebody's uh, tendencies better. So uh, you can do any of those things, and that, that's as good as a gift to us. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, I think that brings us to talking to Tad, finally. And Tad, I'm sorry that that took so long. Hey, no worries. But I would love to know more about this challenge. Tell tell us, you know, Joe and I, and the listeners, kind of what's in store for the challenge, like the overview, uh, how it kind of came about a little bit, and then you know, let's get into the nitty gritty. I want to know all the details. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, before we get begin, I wanted to uh, shout out to our sponsors, you know, Hangar RC, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Aviation RC uh, New Post. You guys, uh, we appreciate that, and uh, RC After Hours uh, podcast as well. Thank you um, for sponsoring us. What all went into or how did this competition build off come about, Ted? We uh, had come together on Facebook fans, uh, on the Flight Test fans group on Facebook. Um, We had like-minded ideas about building the community and uh, through just lengthy discussion, how to bring community together. And there's so many folks from all walks of life across the globe out there who have amazing skills. And we felt what, you know, this is a great mechanism, uh, having a competition in this sort, uh, to bring everyone uh, together and to, you know, really highlight those amongst the group um, and elevate them and Mm -hmm. uh, have a great time doing so. Um, The whole idea I believe we all kind of come to the same idea at the same time. Uh, we're looking for some kind of competition where we could all just, you know, toss it out there and just, you know, learn from each other and, you know, have a camaraderie amongst us and, you know, just have a fun time, you know, just create our, you know, use our skills that we know and then learn from each other. And so when we got down to it, um, we said, Hey, why don't we just have a, a, a build off challenge. And we all said, yeah, this would be a, a great idea. So we, we kind of wanted to segregate it into two different groups. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, I'll, let me just start at a top down and say, you know, it's okay. our inaugural event. will start here at the top of the year, uh, the 2022 uh, uh, community RC build off. You know, we'll have a noob category, a pro category, and uh, submissions will begin January 1st and close on the 14th of February. And then judging will begin March 1st. And so uh, how we get involved, um, we uh, email the submissions and we ask that you include the name of the airframe, a brief description, 
of that airframe, plans and pictures of that video of uh, that aircraft, and you send that to the email address buildoff at thehangarrc.com. That's T H E H A N A R R C.com, just for that mm-hmm. distinction there. And uh, we we will put a link to those the the places you're talking about right now in the uh, podcast description. So look yes, for them there absolutely, too. and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that was just kind of a top down. Um, if you'll allow me, um, just a little bit of grace here, I'll uh, designate just a little bit more, and this will be available um, through the website as well, um, and that will be uh, available at thehangarrc.com/slash/buildoff. Um, but I'm going to just kind of go over the comprehensively, the new category. Um, we're going to ask that, you know, folks design using the techniques, ABC fold, um, you know, use hot glue or other, you know, foam safe bonding agents. Uh, you know, we limit our uh, foaming, uh, foam bending uh, to allow only for like aesthetics, like you're bending over a, a canopy or a fastback. Um, the uh, use of poster board will be acceptable. Uh, we uh, Ask that you know the wings be crafted uh, in such a way that the uh, the aircraft will self-correct to uh, in stable flight uh, from okay. a banking turn. Uh, you know we just uh, we want really uh, you know slow moderate flyers. Uh, there were no no speed demons in this category. So again, okay. you know the prop and motor configurations. Um, it's at the discretion of the uh, the designers, but we just really would like. Um, you know, they'll be in, you know, judged for their inherent stability. So, you know, how you place them okay. obviously impacts them. Uh, and lastly, you know, we it's up to uh, the designer whether or not they add landing gear, whether they be handed ground launch, uh, landing, et cetera, or, you know, if you want to have them take off from the ground. Uh, the pro category is uh, basically any of the aforementioned, uh, but um, we ask also, you know, advanced builds techniques, including but not limited to, you know, use of formers or molded foam board, um, multiple wings or complex and pennage, you know, build takes that uh, build techniques that really that really require enhanced skill uh, to construct or ultimately to fly. Um, wings uh, um, can employ the use of design and hedral, dihedral, polyhedral, uh, annular form. Um, the more bodacious I say here, you know, in the design, the better. We're, we're looking for everybody just to pull out the stops and just. Yeah, the, the more the more exciting it looks, the better. Yes, absolutely that. <clears throat> now, um, what, what about, are you looking for like models of existing planes or something completely new or really that's up to the uh, submitter? Yeah, thank you. The contestant. With these designs, uh, we're asking that they are, completely original designs and concept. Uh, I mean, if you are going, say, like everybody's going for a P-51, but it's their own design, how they build it, it can't be built off of, say, like another brand or someone else has already developed a plan for that. It okay. needs to be your own design. Yeah, it has to be completely. So if I'm building the strata launcher, I can't just use something that, let's say, I can do that because, you know, that's a good model to start from, but it'll be my construction techniques yes exactly uh, understanding that like an a fold and b fold and c fold style type of construction is not like a uh, that's not the technique we're talking about we're talking about just the uh, i guess you're, you're talking about more um that's pretty universal 
But when you're looking at like, oh no, somebody puts, you know, formers here and they're of this shape and, you know, using a box core or something like that, that, that in a specific right. way. Things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If we, if we come across, you know, other plans that are identical to, you know, we'll probably shy against that design. Okay. Yeah. Just know it'll, it'll probably be less, um, on the forefront of the winner circle. Exactly that. <laughs> That's a way to put it. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, when I do my challenges, I'm kind of like, look, you can do whatever you want. Like I want you to be involved. Uh, just mm -hmm. know that you're, if you do certain things, like it's just not going to, it's not going to score as high. I can't, I can't give it cool points uh, for copying, you know, but doesn't yeah. mean you won't get a lot out of doing this your way. And if the part of that is copying a wing, okay. I mean, I get that. Um, if that's how you can get there, you're going to get a lot out of this event. Just know that you won't be doing it to win it. You'll be doing it to enjoy it. Well, speaking, I, I mean, speaking of winning, uh, I mean, this, it's a contest of sorts. So what, what are we trying to, what are we, they builders participants, what are we trying to win here? Right on. Ultimately bragging rights. Um, but, um, being a ting, uh, the king of the hill here, you'll receive a laser kit of your airframe, you know, courtesy of the Hangar RC, and you'll have a chance to have your kit commercially produced. And uh, we would like to all the uh, listeners to know that all the proceeds uh, received from the sales of such aircraft will be donated to youth organizations or to RC clubs across America. Nice. Awesome. Now, um, in the get. Based on what I was seeing in uh, in the documents y'all sent, uh, in order to get a printed kit, whether or not it's produced uh, more commercially, that's reliant on um, plans being drawn up. Uh, I assume so. Sam has something to uh, to work with as far as getting a kit made. Yes, exactly. Um, so when we, uh, I, I said at the top of this, um, we asked for not just the name of the aircraft and a description of it, but we asked for pictures, detailed plans, uh, PDF. Um, and then, of course, you know, how to in the build a video type thing. Uh, we'd like you to give us more information on how you created your, uh, your project. And then uh, okay. I brought that to fruition. Nice. Okay. So build log of sorts as well. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. No, that's great. Um, all right. Now, is there a, I guess all that build log uh, information is just being submitted along with the email. That's where it's being submitted to? That's correct. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, are there any uh, materials that you'd prefer? Is there like a set motor system or yeah. components uh -huh. that you want to see? Like, you know, some people will say, okay, I got a 50cc uh, gasser. I'm going to build something awesome with this. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> right. We do Easy. want to kind of constrain it. Um, for this particular competition, uh, we're going to ask that folks hold to four sheets of foam board mags. Uh, you may use a poster board, one sheet, um, for aesthetics otherwise. Um, we asked, you know, for the motors that we're using a 2212 1400 kV brushless, um, okay. nine gram servos, um, you know, obvious essentials like control horns, firewall, it, those can be either plywood or 3D printed. Uh, push rods, you know, all the necessary electronic components that would be necessary. But the only limitation we have here is we ask no flight controllers. It has to be stable enough to uh, attain flight and continue flight without being aided in that regard. 
Okay. And that brings two questions to mind. One, uh, and this I'll direct to Matthew. Matthew, the, the 22, 12, 1400, that's, that's what, about a B-Pack equivalent if somebody that, that, doesn't have that motor? <clears throat> yeah, that's a B-Pack equivalent, and it is the exact same motor that's recommended for the 7, the Hang RC7. Mm-hmm. Which Sam carries them in his shop. Mm-hmm, he does. Uh, but and, and it, if somebody didn't have Am- one. Right. Um, they're all over Amazon. You can pick them up and they'll be at your door quick. Um, and sometimes even the kits will come with nine gram servos for it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, really, uh, that should be relatively simple to get if you don't have it. I've got like eight of them or something floating around. I bought a six pack a little bit back ago and I'm outfitting all sorts of planes with them. Um, they're just a good all around, uh, thing. I mean, you can get as big as like a nine inch prop on it, although you're pushing the edge of it. And most of the time, it's basically an 8-inch, eight 8x5, eight 8x45 eight prop, basically, is what it services. Okay. And with that, if I remember correctly, that motor, that motor and it's ESC, but it's a three-cell motor, right? Like that's <clears throat> it, not Right. It's a three-cell motor with a 30-amp ESC, typically. Right. Um, and, that, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's not, you know. Okay, and to uh, to Tad, uh, kind of rewinding a bit back to the noob category, because uh, that's where if I have anything, that's where I'll be submitting it under likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you were talking about the the plane needing to self level, um, and you had just said uh, dihedral and such. So you're in the noob category. You're very much encouraging dihedral, polyhedral. Uh, the use of that as the method to get the wings or the plane to level itself back off. Yes? Yeah, that would be a design element that we were looking for. Correct. Okay. Awesome. I just wanted to make sure. Good. Um, if they have any questions about this, um, contestants, where should they send it to? Do you have a, an email address that they could send it to? Right. Uh, buildoff at thehangerrc.com. Um, okay. When you the same address that you would uh, submit your uh, entry into, uh, I would imagine we could also detail or we could uh, respond to those inquiries that were that yeah. question. Yeah, and I'm sure if there is a, I if I were on this contest, I would make sure to have a link to, um, you know the the build off page that has all the contestant uh, the rules. I'm sure that as people get involved and start asking questions. There'll be further clarification as you go. I know every contest I've been in, it, it, as good as I thought my rules were or complete, um, that was always worthwhile to have, you know come back and check because there may be a clarification. So as we go, uh, keep a you know go back to that site, even though you you printed out the rules the first time. Go go and take a look at it on occasion exactly. as you go. And I, I just came to thought as well. You know they can always go to the Hangar RC forum as well. And post your questions there, and that way the community can gain from uh, like answers and like questions. Okay, cool. Nice. Somehow I didn't know Sam had a forum. I don't know. I'm in. Where are you? <laughs> Not there. I went. I had to go sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, well, it's a, the Hangar RC uh, has the what is it? Thirteenth. What, what is uh. The squadron.com, I think, is his forum. I'll have to look it up. Hmm. Well, we can have a link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah, we will. The flight deck. It, it, the flight deck, that's it. 
Um, we'll, we'll put Love a link it. to that down there. Um, I'm assuming there'll be, uh, I'll call it like a build thread kind of, or just like a contest thread that people can go and take a look and kind of follow along, make comments. Is that the intent? I'm going to tentatively say yes. I'm sorry. I don't have that detail. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. Well, sorry, Sam, yes. <laughs> tag, you're it. Get one going. If not, I'll start one. You know, that might as well. All right. Well, good. Yeah, it's uh, the HangRC forum uh, slash forum slash the hyphen flight hyphen deck. And that's that's his forum set up there. Um, so get yourself signed up and get involved. Okay. okay. Well, I've got one more question for him. Uh, if you don't have anything else, Matthew. Yeah, no, that's it. I just got word from Sam that it is, in fact, um, going to be. That's the plan is that there'll be a forum thread in uh in the flight deck uh for the contest okay. so get involved as well as the flight test forums he was saying um so tad la- last thing i think on that front unless you have anything more you want to add to it um i know on the front end you were talking about we and i know you've got a section here for it but i want to make sure you get the opportunity to uh you know, be able to state who your committee members are for this competition mm-hmm by all means, uh, you have myself, Tad Leeds, uh, Tristan Emdy, uh, William uh, Steenum, and Sam Platt. Okay. Awesome. Was there anything else in that regard that, uh, in regard to this competition that we need to know about? Um, I will just say again, I really look forward to all the submissions, and uh, I'm really uh, excited to see where everybody takes this this season. So. Again, uh, yeah. I uh, just wanted to put out again. I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and uh, a Happy New Year and uh, looking forward to uh, building together. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Excellent. So that brings us to our giveaway. So, I mean, Christmas wouldn't be really Christmas without the, uh, I guess, the intent of giving a gift to those that matter to you, I guess. Um, people that uh, people they care about. And I know for us here, uh, we care about all the listeners that come and listen to this podcast every week or every couple of weeks. Um, we still are shocked that you keep coming back, but we're glad you do. Um, it brings us a lot of happiness for sure. So we have uh, listener mugs, and they're basically the one side is the Aviation RC Noob logo, which you'll, if you're in the Discord, that's what it looks like. If you're on the Facebook, go there. It's at the top of the page. Um, and on the back, it says, I listened to hours of this podcast and all I got was a stupid mug uh, on the back. And I, I can't remember what color, either it's blue or I think it might be orange or maybe even be black uh, as far as the inside of the cup and handle. Um, but we would like to give out three of these mugs uh, as a gift to our listeners. Um, we ask that you submit your name, uh, where you guys are from, and your favorite episode to the Aviation RC Noob at gmail.com. Um, and just, uh, just let us know that you're interested in participating in the giveaway and then we'll, we'll pick, uh, three of the submissions at random and we'll send them out. Um, Jen, Joe, when, uh, when are we going to be finished? When should we accept the submissions by? Uh, submissions ought to be in by January 15th so that we have time to draw them, uh, before, before or when we do the recording for the episode on January 22nd. Okay, perfect. Okay, very good. So if you want one, uh, if you'd like to be part of that and hope to get one, uh, send your stuff in and let us know what you're thinking. Uh, and we look forward to it. 
right, I guess that brings us to listener comments. Joe, do you have any? Uh, I've got one from Spitfire76, Richard. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, he says, yeah, another brilliant episode. Talk about episode 39. And the third one with Red. I don't live that far from Reno, so should check those races out next year. I did go one time, but it was back in the late 90s. I follow Trent Palmer's YouTube channel. He flies a Kit Fox plane called Freedom Box and actually flight tests were selling a RC model of it at one time. I remember that. Yeah, me too. Um, anyway, his brother was in one of the events this year, and he links a YouTube video. Uh, mm -hmm. If I had the money and was much younger, I would love to build and fly a plane uh, from kitfoxaircraft.com. On the other hand, if I had just had the money, I would love to buy an old golf course here in California and turn it into West Coast Edgewater Park. I love it. Uh, that, that'd that be awesome. Yeah. Um, so get it, independently rich and then do that for us all. <laughs> and you know after after talking to red last episode i went and looked up the reno races on youtube and mm -hmm. um actually wound up coming across um that that mustang i think he was talking about that mustang that that really bad crash i, I was watching mm -hmm. some of the footage of that man that was rough yeah so anyway well, but yeah i, I afterwards i gone back and watched some of the some of the reno stuff and that was interesting to watch yeah yeah, yeah, they're, it, it's a different style of flying, for sure. Um, pretty cool. Well, in, in the same vein, um, our friend uh, Zediak, who's on the Discord forums, he listened to the, the episode as well, and he said, I'm listening to your podcast now. Shocker, I know. Um, I, thought, uh, I thought it was a follow-up question to Red, um, but he was wondering about Red's take on where those four or five planes fit in for where a list, he's got a small list of four or five planes that fit into the Reno races. Um, he goes, he's got a model of the cosmic, uh, wind, the little Tony, uh, and he understands that there was the minnow, the livier and the little Tony, I guess he maybe, and, and maybe there's another one if he couldn't remember. But yeah. Anyway, he feels that there's a neat st uh, story behind each one of those planes, uh, he also said that it was a good episode and he does want now want to go out and visit the Reno air races more than he ever did before. So, um, I guess our episode has worked on some of us because <laughs> that was okay, the point so, is, uh, just let people know kind of what it is and where it is and how to be there and what it's about. So sounds yeah, like, sounds like it worked. Good. Well, good. It looks like you've got some news set out here. Yeah, uh, there's there's a little. So we all know uh, that the FAA has uh, been tasked to put forward some rules by the Congress, and and last year at about this time they dropped uh, a tome of rules that changed how we perceive the the RC hobby uh, will go from here on forward. Um, and along the way, you know, as, as with remote ID, they've been tasked with putting some sort of tracking system, I guess, in in, in remote aerial vehicles. Um, and one of the things that, uh, came up during the year was race day quads, which is, uh, <clears throat> um, basically a, a quadcopter supply company, right? They're, uh, they're distributor and they, their business is based on people being able to fly FPV and race and kind of do freestyle stuff. And, and when these remote ID stuff came down, a lot of people were like, well, I guess, I guess we're out, <clears throat> you know, and at least that's the, the concern of the sentiment and there's a lot of other concerns with it and one of the things um that 
that they had filed over um, was, uh, I guess that the there's a violation in there. There's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Is that what they feel? Um, and again, there's a whole there's a whole lot of information that goes into that. Um, right. But basically, that the rule infringes upon uh, reasonable expectations and privacy. So warrantless searches of of curtilage. I think is what it's called infringement infringes upon the privacy interests of small drone operators that it infringes upon the privacy expectations in the whole of people's movements. And the last is the fourth amendment is also violated by unlimited time length of tracking, uh, as well as uh, remote ID utilizes more intru- intrusive tracking technology uh, than, than those that can already that are already recognized as unconstitutional. So basically saying they, they go deeper in this rule than things that have already been told, no, you can't. Um, oh, okay. So those are, those are the, those are the violations that they brought up as well as the FAA arbitrarily and capriciously either relied upon undisclosed ex parte communications or failed to consider relevant information or explain the support, the, the support, for the changes in the FAA rules or in the final rule. So basically they didn't do their due diligence. And again, we can, there's a whole list. Um, Actually, there's only a couple more. So the final rule was not uh, a logical outgrowth of the NPRM. Uh, The FAA failed to comply. This is what Race Day Quad submitted to the judicial system as their argument against the rulemaking. Um, FAA failed to comply with the statutory requirement to consult with the RTCA and the NIST in creating remote ID standards. And then the FAA failed or ignored significant critical comments. And they list a series of them. Um, and all I can do is urge you to go. There's a, a jrubriclaw.com. That's a gentleman who's uh, representing them. Um, he has... A whole page dedicated. We'll put a link in our description. Please go check it out. Um, and uh, the the big thing that's the big significant thing, they have a really good list of kind of what the process was and when things were going to happen. That you know their their filing was in April fifteenth, uh, which was I think the end of the limitation of when they could submit co- their their thing. They had a ninety day window to be able to uh, put in any any legal action, I guess, against the rulemaking. Right. And and they basically had the 90 days to figure out what the heck is going on, how it impacted everybody, get a defense, and put together an argument, um, which is really a lot of time. Uh, anyway, so they, they did that. And the late, latest thing that came up is on the 15th of December in 2021 were the oral arguments um, by the lawyers to the judges. And so what the judges do is they hear each, I guess, each side of the case, and then they have almost like a like an oral exam where they start cross-examining. Because the, the lawyers can't cross-examine each other, I think, in this forum. They can't ask each other, like, hey, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? It's, it's all written down. So the lawyers, re- the, the judges read through the arguments and then, I guess, then ask the defending judge or the defending, sorry, the defending lawyer, um, either for the FAA or race day quads about, you know, what the heck is going on with this? They bring up a good point. What's going on here? Um, and so on the 15th, they went through and did that. And there is a, you know, it is a public, 
uh, it is a public record. So there is a, there's a video of the United States Congress of a uh, court of appeals in the DC circuit uh, for the DC circuit. And there's like a timestamp. He, he has a link. We'll put the link of, for this down below. And it's interesting. I heard a little snippet of it, snippets of it on uh, Josh Bardwell's weekly thing with, uh, I, I can't think of the, the gentleman who he does this with. Um, but it, the judges were now granted the way this works is that they basically, they take the side of the other argument and make very poignant questions. Uh, to whoever side they're arguing for, kind of like they'll pick race day quads questions and and comments and then basically argue for race day quad based on their points to the FAA defendant, right? The the defending lawyer. And so they'll okay. make those questions. And then the FAA has a list of points that kind of poke holes in race day quads arguments. And then they will then the judges will then take those and then look at a race day quad and say, okay, you know, here's what's the deal with these. Why, you know, there's a bunch of holes here. What's going on here? And they'll be just as harsh though. They're judges taking both sides. They'll be just as harsh. So when you listen to it, you just understand that the judges are going to ask some poignant questions, but they do it to both sides, I guess. So in many senses, it's somewhat fair. Um, but it's very interesting because the, the FA is learning a couple of the points that race to the big ones that race quad has brought up. The answer is, well, I don't know. I don't know why we didn't look at it more. You know, I didn't know why we didn't do this better. Right. <laughs> you know, Which is not like, a great way to lead into that. No, that's an awful way to defend yourself, <laughs> I think. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. So I urge you to listen to it. I've only gotten through, it's like about an hour long because it starts about halfway through the two hour long video. Um, go in and listen. Um, educate yourself as to what's going on. And be on the lookout for this. This is the popular week that the FAA likes to just drop whatever, you know, uh, I'll call it world changing. You know, if, they, if you're in the RC world, it's going to change your world, right? Um, yeah, I guess it was about this time last year that they dropped it. It was between Christmas and New Year's. And so don't be surprised if something else, a will call it a further clarification of the existing rules, doesn't drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so please uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, educate yourself as to what's been going on. And, you know, if you're like many people in the hobby and don't really appreciate the way the rules uh, happened uh, and what the rules represent and why, you know, why do we need to get tracked? Um, they, they definitely go into some details. And now it won't necessarily tell you which way the judges are going to go. Um just right. because the judges sound like they, you know, they take both sides. So they're really just trying to see how each side responds and look at how it applies to privacy and law and people's rights, as well as the rights and to protect the airspace of the FAA and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be really interesting to see where it turns out. I hope it's for the better for everybody. Uh, I'm not sure how that works out, but I hope it ultimately creates a, a better set of rules for everybody to, Enjoy the hobby by and be safe in the air by. Mm -hmm. So, you know, be on the lookout. Take a look at those things. I guess that brings us to our next segment, huh? Uh, yeah, you're going to be talking about which plane now? The IL-2 Shermovic, the flying tank, otherwise known as the flying tank. Okay. Um, so this is a Russian, I think it's the first time we really kind of tackled a, a Russian plane. Um, but the Russians put together this 
uh, ground attack aircraft. Think of the AT-10. Um, that, that's a ground attack aircraft. So they fly in low, and they're armed for bear with small munitions, small uh, directional munitions that they drop um, to basically bust tanks and other uh, other ground attack vehicles. Uh, and they they will attack supply chains, that kind of stuff. That's their their general role. Um, so the reason why this is brought up because this is the most um, this is the most produced plane of World War II. And I remember you were I remember you told me that, and I was I thought that was a Spitfire. We had to go and check right? the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Well, so these were produced in numbers of tw- uh, thirty six thousand were built over the course of World War II. And they actually stopped being produced in 45, and they were removed from service by 54, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was basically ancillary countries had picked up the, the, I'll call it the scraps of World War II, and were using them in service for their country defense. Um, and ultimately, you know, by, by 54, they were replaced by other things. Um, but yeah, 36. So in, in, remind me, how many uh, Spitfires were built? Uh, a little over 20,000. Yeah, wow. That's almost double. It's, yeah. That's a lot. Oh, 75% more over. I didn't realize they had made so many Yak-3s. There were 31,000 of those. <sighs> yeah, well, well, it's a good plane, I guess. And 35,000 uh, BF-109s. Wow. That's incredible. Okay, so these were called the flying tank for a reason, right? Um, they were... They were called that because they were armored. Like the entire pilot cabin was armored, um, specifically along the bottom and in the front, uh, as well as a little bit in the back. Um, And actually over half the weight of the plane was in armoring. Um, Because you can't just use aluminum. Aluminum doesn't hold up, I guess, as well to bullets. So you got to put in steel. Now steel weighs, I think it's four times as much as aluminum. I'm, Please don't quote me on that. I just, uh, <laughs> but I, th- I think it's somewhere around the three to four times. Uh, so, yeah, so they use that um, to be able to attack and survive attacks um, as they they were basically disrupting supply lines and, and protecting their troops as air support. As their front lines move forward, they would, they would have to take care of the tanks who were, who were either pushing forward the German front line or or uh, defending against the Russian um, push uh, to take back territories. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so at first there was a gunner. So you have a pilot and like right behind him facing backwards with a, with a, a Browning, I think, 50 caliber. Uh, no, that sounds pretty big. The 20 caliber, I believe. Um, was a gunner um, who basically shot at anybody who was coming up on the tail. Um and it was then removed, I think, probably for weight. And then after there was a large number of losses from aircraft fire, uh, they put it back in so that uh, any aircraft who kind of lined up on the 6 uh, would at least have to contend with getting shot at um, right. from this aircraft. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go into some stats, and then I'm probably going to go into some general characteristics, and then we'll, we'll talk about... Uh, a little bit here. So of the 36,000 that were built, only 11,000 were lost. That's like a 30% loss rate, which is actually, I think that's pretty good. If I remember. I would have to go and look up loss rates of other planes, but 
Yeah. I mean, it doesn't it seems, sound terrible. No, it, it seems pretty low. I mean, I don't know. So, and, and to break that down, um, uh, let's see that. So that's 24% of those were lost to other fighters. So other aircraft, uh, 43 were lost to air, anti-aircraft guns. 43% of that was anti-aircraft guns. And then a third of those were missing in action. <clears throat> so I don't really know what happened. Um, mm. So you can see why, you know, a quarter of the, the planes were lost. Uh, I imagine those were probably higher in the early stages, uh, which is why the, the rear facing gunner was put back into the, the design, you know? Right. Um, and so again, because it's a ground attack, they had basically these cluster bombs are like five and a half. Normally a lot of the bombs that much of these uh, fighter bombers would carry were like 500 pound bombs. Right. They'd be ones that kind of take out a structure or, you know, crater up a road so that, you know, transportation is difficult. So these would carry uh, large clusters of these, you know, probably like 100 or 80 of these, you know, five and a half pound cluster bombs. And they would just kind of release them at the at the back. They'd come up on the, the convoy, let's say, along the road, and they would open them up on the back end and they'd just keep dropping all the way to the front end pretty much. And then they would kind of come back up. Um and so what they would do is they'd come in a sort of, uh, let's say, between four and 12 of these, and they would come in at an angle. About They'd, they'd come down at about a 30-degree glide slope, and as they came in on the, the convoy, they would do a strafing run or uh, drop cluster bomb, bombs. And then they would just – so they would gain speed as they come down in, and they would, co- I guess, coast across it and then come back up. And then they would use that that gained altitude um, momentum to gain altitude back up, and then circle around to the front, and then they would continue to do this. And then basically, by the time the first one was coming around, that last one was doing that strafing run. So they'd do almost a continuous circle. They'd do about three or four loops on the same convoy before they were done, and had to kind of like pull out and gain altitude and kind of come around again. So on the same strafing run, they would do basically four loops. Um, very effective, apparently, um, and very dangerous. It sounds devastating. It does. Um, and it was a favorite. It was definitely, at the time, uh, a big favorite of the Red Army. And as a matter of fact, Stalin had made a statement, I guess, looking at the Eastern fronts and realizing that this plane was being underproduced at the time, he he made a statement, and I'm going to read it because there's a lot to it. A lot of people just kind of quote the one part in the middle, um, but it, it's I think it's pretty indicative of what the what the Russian forces were doing. So uh, Stalin re- reading out to basically the manufacturers of the air- airline industry, you have let down our country and our Red Army. That's right. I'm doing my Stalin voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I know. Sorry. Uh, you have the nerve not to manufacture IL-2s until now. Our Red Army need now needs IL-2 aircraft like the air it breathes, like the bread it eats. Shankman produces one IL-2 a day, and uh, Trechikov builds one or two MiG-3s daily? It is a mockery of our country and the Red Army. I ask you not to try the government's patience and demand that you manufacture more ILs. Which, at that point, it went from being a slow production to being 36,000 of these guys um, being produced. Well, yeah, when you got that being thrown at you. <clears throat> yeah, right? I mean, it, it's as important as the bread it eats and the air it breathes. That's that's quite the statement. It's pretty pretty bold. So Yeah. Well, there were a lot of uh, Soviet 
um, aeronautical folks who ended up perishing for their designs, whether they were oh, yeah. built to fruition or not. Yeah, Kalanine was one. He fell he fell victim to basically his competitors uh, ratting him out so that they would not have to compete with him again. And he basically got he fell to the red curtains devices. And obviously it was it was very effective. And a lot of fighters who flew in that and used it, um, I guess they they appreciated the armoring it gave them and the safety to be able to do the maneuvers. Um, and they, they're they're not easy to take down. So. Um, so, I mean, let me go through some stats. Uh, the crew was about two of them. It was, uh, the length was 12 meters or about 38 feet. Uh, the wingspan was 15 meters, uh, which is about 48 feet. Um, it was about 13 feet high or four meters up, um, from, from the tail up. Uh, the wing area was 414 square feet. That's uh, 38 and a half square meters. Uh, it had an empty weight of almost 10,000 pounds, and its max takeoff weight was 14,000 pounds. So that basically is a useful payload of, you know, assuming the pilot's like 250 pounds, that gives it about 4,000 pound payload for munitions and guns uh, fuel, yeah. and fuel. So the fuel capacity was 109 U.S. gallons or 730 liters. Uh, it had, uh, I am no good at Russian, so pardon me for the butchering the language. Um, the Mikulin, uh, AM-38F. It's a liquid-cooled B-12 engine, so it's pretty, pretty good size. It produced over 1,720 horsepower, which was the takeoff power, um, and had 1,500 horsepower at, uh, about 2,500 feet, which I imagine is pretty much just cruising altitude for a low attack aircraft. Um, it used uh, three, uh, three bladed, three bladed prop. Um, that was about uh, almost 12 feet in diameter. That's pretty, pretty good size plane. It, it traveled at uh, like 410, um, yeah, basically 410 kilometers per hour, which is 250 miles an hour. Um, but in dives, it could get going uh, over 400 as I understood, it could get going over 400 miles per hour. So it'd, it'd get high, it dive down in a high speed, do those loops a couple times, and then come out. Jeez. It had almost a 500-mile range, um, which would, it would typically travel at about 170 miles an hour at cruise. Uh, it could be out there for basically almost a little under three hours. And its service ceiling was only about 15,000 feet. So... Uh, that's about the spot where you start needing oxygen bottled and it starts getting right. awful cold. So, um, yeah. And it took 15 minutes to get up to altitude. So pretty, pretty big. It had two guns, uh, that were fixed forward. I, um, it looks like two big bore cannons and two small bore, the, the VYA 23 cannons. And then had the SHKAS machine guns. Uh, had two of those fixed and had 750 rounds in them. The big bore was 150 rounds. It was they had one that was the manual aimed one faced rear. Um, they had 300 rounds and that was the Barazin UBT. Um, that's kind of a middle middle size in between the machine gun and the more cannon style uh, things. 
It could be outfitted with rockets, either eight RS-82 rockets or the bigger ones. It could only take four. It'd be four RS-130 rockets. Again, these are foreign to me. I mean, you can look up the munitions and see, um, you know, kind of what they're for. Or it could have um, basically four dispensers of these five and a half pound and it would basically of 48 five and a half pound bombs, anti-armor bombs. So they would basically, when any time they go over a row of tanks, they basically release this row. And usually a lot of the German tanks, the armoring was light on the top. So the aircraft had a superior advantage to be able to take them out. <clears throat> or it could take uh, 600 pound or 220 pound bombs in the wing base. Uh, which is more typical of a traditional fighter setup. But like I said, they're doing anti-tank missions and not anti-structure missions. Right. So, yeah, so um, very popular in the Russian army, uh, very effective for what it did um, in warding off the German forces advancing. And uh, I imagine in taking care of them as they retreated. With uh, any luck, that's what they were succeeding at. So um, I don't know if there's any models out there, honestly, any flight test style models. And if not, I know what my contest is going to do. <laughs> I know what my <laughs> contest submission will be. Um, it's interesting. Uh, the Russian aircraft have a very different style. If you compare them to, to the Japanese, which tend to have a more lighter, agile feel, um, the Germans have a... I don't know. Each, each force seems to have a style, and the Russian style is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. So, um, but they're you know pretty competitive and combat uh, compatible uh, combatants with the aircraft of the time. So, well, how would you characterize the Russian feel? Um, <clears throat> heavy and dangerous. Okay. You know, I, I followed uh, one of my first challenges that I put together or I was involved with was a design-build challenge for World War II experimental craft that never saw the war. Like, they, they were designed, they were built, that they never, sometimes they're just concepts, but they never actually saw combat. Um, and so I, I looked at a bunch of different, I found this Russian book or book of Russian aircraft that were experimental, and I was, like, paging through it. And they all seem to have this style. And I was looking at Kalinin. Uh, K7, actually all of them, but the K7 and the K12. The K7 is like this giant flying fortress that literally has a war, a battleship gun battlement on it. One of those giant turrets. Jeez. <laughs> At least that was the initial idea. I think they ended up basically having to scrap that and do something a little different. But it was, uh, but unfortunately, the, or fortunately, I don't know, it depends on how you feel about the, the Russian army and all that, but um uh, Ted, you were saying something a little bit earlier about how a lot of the designers were falling more victim to the forces of the Red Army suspicions. And so, and, and Kalanin was one of them that basically uh, Stalin had him executed uh, as being an enemy of the state before he got to finish half of his designs. Um, I mean, he, he got them to the point where they were doing a lot of like uh, the maiden flights and testing them and making sure that they were viable products, but basically a competitor kind of ratted him out as an enemy of the state and uh, Stalin apparently agreed enough and took him out. And that, that was pretty common that the uh, the paranoia was pretty high during World War II. And so a, a lot of 
innovations were taken out before they had a chance to get to fruition uh, due to suspicions and, you know. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, it, it was like that, I guess. So, uh, anything else? Let's see. That wraps up the uh, the IL-2 flying tank, the Sturmovic uh, flying tank. I'm trying to pull up my notes here. I think, uh, unless we want to talk about, you know, anything we're doing for Christmas or any plans we might have. I know you and I are hoping to get a little bit of time to get together. I don't know how much it's going to happen, but I hope we can. Uh, yeah, I don't know at this point. Yeah, at, Aside from... Yeah, you know, when we get together for tabletop D and D, I may be able to drive up for a day just to see you and yeah. maybe hit the park. We'll see. That'd be fun if we do. I'm looking for. Look, I I want you to. I want us to get together real bad. It's been too mm -hmm. long, so I'm looking forward to it if we do. Um, well, okay. Uh, I know for Christmas, my Christmas already happened, so I ended up picking up a couple quads. So I'm going to see if I can't get back into that. I kind of miss it. Yeah, um, with any luck, I won't bust them to pieces before I get a good chance at uh, getting some skills. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm going to be simming a lot uh, on uh, what is what is that uh, simulator that uh, Mike Finley suggested? Um, anyway, uh, uh, I don't remember. I think a couple guys here in the Discord have been talking about it recently, though. Yeah, yeah, liftoff, liftoff is the one. There's a bunch okay. of them. Uh, all of them will help you get closer to being able to fly it without crashing it every five seconds. So that's mm -hmm. always a good thing. Hey, um, Tad, are you still around? I know you've been pretty quiet. Yes, sir. Well, Tad, we like to we would like to have you join us in a tradition that we've done with all of our guests so far. And it is called the lightning round. Joe, you want to explain it? Yeah. So, Ted, what we'll do is we'll ask you a short series of questions. Uh, they tend to be this or that questions. Uh, and as it's a lightning round, the intent is that you just give the first answer that comes to your mind. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Sit or stand? Stand. Pinch or thumb? Oh, pinch. Open TX Spectrum, other name brand. Goodness. Um, other. Okay. What, is what is other? Um, I personally use Grabner. I might. I, I've also got a, a Spectrum. I just haven't used it yet. Okay, we'll, okay. we'll forward. Uh, we'll forward any hate mail uh, to you. I promise. <laughs> I'm just. Ki I'm kidding. No, that's a that's a good brand. Um, Microsoft Park, giant scale. Repeat those. Microsoft, Park, or Giant Scale? Microsoft, Micro. What the heck, Micro? Jeez Louise. <laughs> oh, Ted, welcome well, to the I podcast. Well, I haven't flown any large scale. <laughs> I absolutely love uh, the larger the design, uh, the better the build. Okay. Okay. Uh, speed or slow slash glide? Speed. Snow, water, Pavement or tall grass? Snow. Snow. Okay. P38 or P61? Oh, P61. That'll make Matthew happy. Yeah, it does. 
uh, I don't. I like both those. I like both those planes. They're great. Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're good. Build or fly. I'm right on the line on that one. I'll have to say build. Okay. Older or newer? Older. Three cell, four cell, or six cell? I'll stick it right in the middle at four cell. All right. right. Foam or balsa? I'm going to still say balsa. There's a part in my heart for that, but I I love uh, the foam as well now, but I still have to hold with balsa. Okay. And this is regarding models, but axis or allies? Oh, gosh. That's a tough one. Last time we asked that, people were like, of course it's, of course it's the allies. Why would I ever, why would I ever, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about like the models. I'm going to say axis because we have a lot of allies out there and I just want to see more on the opposite side end of the spectrum. Yeah. What kind of comments do you get without enough axis out there? Right. Yep. That's fair. Landing gear or belly land. Landing gear. Probably the most important question of all these kind of trumps all of them. Creamy, chunky. <laughs> I don't See, know. It's a hard uh, one. We're talking about peanut butter. Yeah. Okay. Let me say chunky. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and if you add marshmallow that fluff, <laughs> doesn't change anything. <laughs> If you add marshmallow fluff, does it change your answer? Oh, uh, the needle could switch. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. All right, Tad, that that ends the lightning round. Congratulations. You've succeeded in making it through. Awesome. Well, thank you again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, don't go away yet. Uh, We usually follow this up with quickly about like what we're working on next. Uh, So I'd love to hear what you're interested in getting yourself uh, into on your workbench. What are you working on next? Well, I have a rutan design from the 80s. It's called the Scorpion. It's a uh, basically a canard with a uh, forward-swept anhedral wing uh, twin-engine-mounted pusher with a shark oh, tail. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Anything else uh, that you're going to be working on, or is that sort of your big project right now? Oh, that that's a well, sleek-looking bird there. Yeah, I'm going to need to uh, hold uh, my tongue on the others uh, for the competition. I know I can't win it, oh. but uh, I'll be involved right. with that. But. That's fair. That's fair. We'll see, we'll see it soon enough, my friend. We'll see it soon enough. <laughs> uh, well, I'll go ahead and go next. Um, not a whole lot on my workbench at the moment other than continuing trying to get these uh, planes hung up from the ceiling and then uh, finishing up the 7 in the near future. What do you Um, have left on the 7? I've still got to put the wing caps on, the sort of uh, fancy flares at the Mm -hmm. wingtips, finish out the cockpit, and then I've got to put all the electronics in it, servos, control horns, ESE receiver. Like, I just got to get wired out. Okay. Um. And then dive into figuring out what I'm going to be doing for this uh, this build off. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, I've got those quads to kind of get in the air and, and enjoy. Um, I've got the Dragon 2 from ages ago. I kind of uncovered a box while I was cleaning. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I never did put this together. Uh, so I'm going to get that in the air. Um, P61, I'm going to get made. It's, uh, like I said, it is so close. Uh, I just have to put some landing gear in it, and I think I'll be ready to go. Um I think that's probably enough to keep me busy. And of course, at this point now, I'll be thinking about which, which idea do I want to submit for this contest, mm-hmm. for this challenge. So uh, I'll be working on that. Nice. Well, do we have anything else? I don't know. Tad, do you have anything to add? Anything you, any, anybody you want to thank or, um, you know, anybody you want to shout out to? Well, again, um, for all the inspiration, you know, I'll just say uh, there's a lot of folks in the community who I've uh, had the opportunity to rub shoulders with in the uh, uh, either in the forums or on the flight test uh, fans page. And, you know, uh, folks like Ben Harbor or uh, Josh Finn, um, mm-hmm. and there's lots of folks, Joshua Orchard, um, you know, so many people with great um, presence. And, you know, they're so helpful and kind and uh, their spirit is uh, so motivating. Uh, I, I really hope to, uh, you know, glean from them, you know, what they've offered and help other folks to uh, develop themselves in the community. And I, I know, you know, drop, name drop a few people there, but there's so many more names that could go on. But again, I really yeah, appreciate right. the opportunity to come on here and speak with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to uh, the challenges that we uh, present going forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Uh, we're glad you can come on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and, and sharing all that information with us. Thank you. Joe, do you have anything you want to add? No, I think that's it. And yeah, let's if close you it don't, up. Mm-mm. All right. Well, guys, as always, thank you for tuning in and listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we've enjoyed having these conversations. Um, thank you, Tad, for coming on and telling us all about this build-off and all the details. Um, guys, hope you will participate. Um, and if nothing else, uh, keep an eye out and see what's being worked on. Uh, I think uh, all this kicks off January 1st. So we've got this episode coming out, uh, this Sunday or sorry, this Saturday, which is Christmas. Christmas. So, whoop, whoop. Yep. So I guess go ahead and start working on getting your plans together. Um, mm-hmm. if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, you reach us at the aviation RC noob at gmail.com. Excuse me. Aviation RC noob at gmail.com. You reach Matthew at Matthew at AviationRCNoob.com or me, Joe, at AviationRCNoob. Feel free to swing by our website, fill out the Contact Us form, let us know what's going on with you, um, what you're working on. If you have any pictures you want to share with us, we'd love to see those. Um, All right, great. Yeah, I think that's going to be about it. I hope everybody has a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And um, I guess we'll see everybody in 2022. Heck yeah, New Year's. (laughs) All right, guys. (laughs) Thanks again, Ted. Yeah, we'll talk to everybody later. Talk to you then. See you later.